This week on a lively experiment, members of the state's largest employee union are in line for a $3,000 vaccination bonus, but with it, political blowback for Governor McKee. And coming to a phone near you, vaccination passports. We'll tell you what the administration has in mind. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, Dave Lehman, corporate communications consultant and former television news anchor. Attorney and legal analyst Lou Pulner, and former Cranston mayor, Alan Fung. Welcome to Lively, I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to be back with you this week. Well, the timing could not have been worse from a public relations standpoint. News leaked the day before Thanksgiving about the McKee administration's plan to give vaccine bonuses to any of the 3,800 members of Council 94 who get vaccinated as part of a new four-year contract. The governor was on vacation, leaving his critics, including one state representative, to have a field day with the proposal. Um, Alan, you've negotiated a few contracts in your time. I understand the public relations. When you get right down to this from a management point of view, it didn't sound too bad as opposed to the public office. So talk about walking through contracts because you've been in the governor's shoes. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times when you're going back and forth, the devil's in the details about you know what they want, what you want, what you're going to get back for taxpayers. And you have to take a look at the contract as a whole because it's a lot of give and take. You want to make sure that you're compensating your employees fairly. And, you know, as we read about that contract, we haven't seen it yet. It certainly is a generous contract. over four years. Yeah, but I, here's the problem, though. You're competing with the private sector. Uh, but the devil has to be in the details as to those contracts. And the one critical point that's coming out right now is about that, you know, COVID vaccination you know, bonus that's in there. And what's a little bit confusing to a lot of individuals and causing a lot of consternation amongst a lot in the public, members of the General Assembly, is not just the amount, it's the fact that, you know, it's being given to even individuals who haven't taken, you know, that shot. Medical you know, and religious exemptions also get the $3,000 bonus. Right, mm -hmm. and, and that's a big part of it. Because for me, at labor negotiations, and when you're talking about contracts, labor contracts, it really should focus on performance, uh, employees' work, and compensation tied to that. For me, it's difficult to kind of see it, you know, tied into someone's medical decisions. He's no fool. The governor has the, the first payment of fifteen hundred goes out almost immediately, and the second fifteen hundred dollar payment. Hey, is there election next year? You think <laughs> oh. comes out in July before the primaries, uh, the Democratic primary for governor. Uh, I think this smells so bad, it, it, it kind of rivals the stench of the Johnson landfill in the dog days of summer. I mean, I just, I don't know how any taxpayer can look at this. Mm -hmm and feel like there's something not really wrong here. Dave? The, uh, the concern that I have is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, this is 10%, according to what I've been reading, 10% over four years. Now, my question is, it may be more than that, and I don't know the contract, we haven't seen it, but if you are going to get elevated in the first year, is that going to be compounded as each year goes on, so it actually becomes even greater than than, mm. than 10%. Good point. 
uh, I think I think that's something that needs to be looked at, uh, although it's it's uh, academic at this point because it's been approved. That's one of the concerns that I have. The um, one of the things that I uh, I looked at was the guidepost they said for why they were negotiating the state state officials why they were negotiating. Dave, this. you they, brought some graphics. Why yeah. don't you show them to us? Well, they said it, it the guideposts were they wanted to stem inflation on behalf of their you know, of their, their employees, so they're trying to do that. Everybody else is feeling inflation. You get that. Uh, retention, they want to keep state workers, as Alan was re referring to. They want to keep people on the job. And vac uh, vaccinations, they're trying to get people vaccinated, encouraging them to do that. Now, my argument would be is the end result of this whole thing is probably this. <laughs> inflation <laughs> is economic flatulation. The retention is really regression going back to the way we used to operate this state, and to, to some extent we still do. And then the vaccination is really vacillation. They were really kind of pandering, uh, I think. Uh, I would call it, you know, the governor really should be called, you know, Governor Santa Claus because this comes at a great time for him. It comes at a great time for, for the election cycle. And, you know, he's up against, you know, formidable uh, opponents uh, next year. Uh, it just doesn't smell right, and and I'll tell you, if you look, if you look at what what AFSCME already gets, full employer paid uh, health insurance. I mean, you know, why retention? I mean, this, these are like dream jobs with yeah. benefits. Health insurance for domestic partners. They cover almost everything for hospitalization. Paid short-term disability, paid long-term disability, defined pension benefit plan, 401k, full employer paid life insurance and accidental death benefits, three weeks earned vacation a year, 12 days earned sick, uh, sick leave a year, 13, you know, it goes on and on. But here's where I'll push back a little bit to uh, Dave, because I've been in that position. Mm -hmm. It's not easy retaining employees or attracting employees now, because back in the day, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. That list of benefits, you'd get a lot of individuals wanting those posts mm -hmm. coming in. I was having difficulty as mayor trying to attract top talented individuals. We've had to, on certain positions, raise the salary on multiple occasions, mm -hmm. despite even the benefits. And what you're also seeing with the next generation is they're jumping, they're more prone to app to jump from job oh, to sure. job, you know, different yeah, ways. So their job you've got, years. you've got yeah. to make sure. It's like a football coach in college. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but here, or Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. I, I mean, I, you know, your points are, are well taken. Yeah. But the other aspect of it is what I just read off, private industry, for the most part, isn't doing anymore. Yeah. They'll, they'll cherry pick a few of those. And I do understand that. The average kid coming out of college now is going to have 13 jobs, 13 different companies by the time they retire. So I do understand that the younger generation coming up is much more mobile when it comes to jobs. But at some point or another, this is taxpayers. <coughs> First of all, these jobs, these people don't get fired from these jobs. You can't say that in the private, in, in the private sector. I just think that, that as we try to you know, hire good people in state government, I worked in state government twice. I did short stints, but it gave me a real look inside state government. And frankly, I thought it was, uh, I, I found a lot of people worked very hard. I was very honored by some of the people I worked with. But there were some people, the joke was, what does he do? What does she do? They just kind of walk around. So I think, you know, it's a difficult balancing act. Yeah, but absolutely. generosity is on the, pack, on the back of the taxpayers has got to be very carefully watched. Absolutely. That's good. Oh. 
Are no. you speechless? Uh, yeah, no. I <laughs> hey, you got to up your graphic game next time. You bring the graphics. The, yeah, there you go. The, the one question. The younger guy will do digital. From a van, from a, yeah, hold your phone up. Um, from a management standpoint, and I talked to some people who said, look, this was a creative way to give a bonus. Maybe that seals the deal. Maybe it doesn't. Extra money that doesn't add to the pension, doesn't add mm -hmm. to the base, yes. as mm -hmm. you had talked about. But you got to think that somebody leaked this because the governor goes on vacation and he's not really around to defend it. And he can defend himself, but, you know, Sabina Matos gets kind of hung out to dry. He's wherever he is for 10 days, and it's the first break he's taken. I don't begrudge that. But it's interesting, I think, the way it came out because I think there, if it wasn't tied to this politicization of the vaccination, I think in any other time you would have said a bonus, nobody would have blanked, right? Right. And you hit the nail on the head because there are a lot of different ways to compensate employees so it doesn't add to the pension. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't add to other factors, whether, you know, other components of the uh, compensation. But we are in politics. We are in government. He, uh, the governor's got an election next year. So, you know, whatever decision he's going to make between yesterday to mm -hmm. November of next year, it's going to get out. And that's one of the things that he's going to have to manage because whether it's this contract or any other decisions, it's going to be scrutinized to the T. Taking it from someone who's going through two gubernatorial campaigns, mm -hmm. every single word that's going to be made, every single contract he signs, every single political step lens. he takes, mm -hmm. it's going to be looked mm -hmm. at that political well, lens. But isn't it interesting that Charlie Baker, for that reason, yeah. called it yeah. quits? Now, there may be other things going on. The Massachusetts governor said, look, I, I'm having a hard time doing the pandemic, and everything's going to be looked at through the political lens. Kudos well, to him. Well, right? well, if the mayor of Boston can go on and get a cabinet position, what do you think the governor of Massachusetts... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's He's not, like, not going to be at the soup kitchen anytime no. soon, right? He won't you be know, waiting in line for food. The, there's, there's one thing I think we should point out here. Here. In giving this kind of money away, and I think it is a, a pretty big giveaway, 2.5% a year for the next four years, that's a lot of giveaway. What's different this year compared to all the years going back, let's say, to 2008, actually probably go back even before that, there is so much money right now with the, with the government money. We still have over a, a billion dollars that we have at our, at our the government has uh, at its disposal uh, to try to solve some of the problems here. We are flush with money. I mean, when have we ever said that before? Yeah, Alan wishes that was the case 10 years yeah. ago. Right? I know, when I first got in and we were in a recession. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Oh, Everybody yeah. was scratching for money. The other thing that came out this week um, is, you know, I don't know if this was the right way to pose it, a vaccine passport. So that drives, the, even, you know, even that wording kind of drives people nuts. Lou, let me begin with you. This was just basically a simple, and my daughter does this in New York City. You're going to be traveling overseas. It's going to be the same thing. Card to get into the restaurant or whatever. Right. And so then everybody thinks, oh, the government's going to come in and mandate. They're really trying to just make it convenient for you to put it on a phone. The problem here is in Rhode Island, all of you. Has anybody asked for your vaccine card no. anywhere? Not once. No. no. So the optics on this are problematic. So he found a solution when there was not a problem in the first place, and that's a problem. Uh, he says it doesn't cost the taxpayers any additional money. They're just modifying an the app. The Crush third. COVID app, right? Exactly. So that, if that's true, uh, then so be it. Uh, but as long as it never becomes mandatory and as long as it doesn't cost the taxpayers, then all right, it's, so what? Well, Actually, go ahead, Alan. I'm supportive of it because it's an app. And you have to look at it that way because for those of us that travel outside of Rhode Island and have to, say, go to New York or anything else where you do have to prove, 
I don't know how many times people have either lost their card or there have even been fake cards out there. You saw Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown just yeah. got suspended. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in real life, my, I just took my mom and my little sister Arlene to get the booster shot. I'm like, hey, mom, where's your COVID card? Oh, I lost it. So <laughs> this is a convenient way, you know, to kind of have it in one spot. So you're not fumbling. Mm -hmm. find digital it. backup. So yeah. It's a digital backup. Why not just way, take a picture of it and put it on your phone? Yeah, but I also but wonder whether you, they... How do you, when you get a booster or anything else... Oh, I mean, type, after I've gotten my booster, which I have, I took yeah. another picture. Oh, okay. To, to add that, to the first one. That's, that another, that's another way to do it. But you need some type of standardization. That's what's going on in Europe, like you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah, the only problem in Europe is they don't recognize anything from the United States on a card. I, I'm going through this myself. So you have to get it doesn't tested, do any, you have to get tested. It might get you into New York somewhere, but it right. won't do you any Why good. Why is that? I, I don't know. They have their own system yes. over there. If, if you are in their system, if you're in the European system, they will accept that. You can show it going, going to, into a restaurant. Uh, for example, we're going to Holland. If we go into Holland and, and, uh, and we don't have the vaccination record or something else that will allow us to get in, you can sit outside and have food outside. And in Holland, you don't necessarily want to do that this time of year. But if you want to go in and use the restroom, they'll deny you because you, you have to have their validation. So how do you get... I, we're about to find out. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I guess you just go to the bathroom before you go out to eat. I, I'm not really sure how that works, but we're, we're having to figure that out ourselves. But isn't it funny how in some bigger cities it, it gets, again, it, unfortunately, politics enters into everything. My daughter's been doing this for months. She lives in New York City, wouldn't yeah. think twice about it. Vaccine card, vaccine card. I don't know whether they've come up with the app yet there, but nobody's putting up a stink. It's like, hey, you know what, if I want to go to a great restaurant in New York... Bring your card, right? Actually, I have it in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing uh, that the government is trying to figure out is how to spend the pot that you referred to, the more than a billion dollars. It's called ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, Alan, let me go back to you. <laughs> you. Your timing on municipalities, man, you should have, <laughs> you wish you were mayor or governor or whatever. All those years, it was like, how are we going to balance the budget? Um, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And so now we're seeing not only the state trying to decide, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the local municipalities. Now, I know your city backfilled a little bit, and that's an appropriate yeah, use, appropriate backfilled. Use. But what are your thoughts as you're looking at this now that there's there's a lot of pressure because uh, uh, Senator Cynthia Mendez is uh, camping out in front of the state yeah. house saying we need more for affordable housing. I think the leadership is saying if we had moved quicker, we might have spent stuff that is now being covered in other Right. So as you look at this, we haven't had you on for a couple of months. What are you thinking with this tranche of money coming in? Well, you know, it's interesting. That's where I've been getting a lot of the phone calls, whether it's from municipalities, the state, or even, you know, private entities about how to spend these dollars because there are guideposts, I didn't mm. do a chart, <laughs> as to how these federal dollars can be used. But you're right. It is a once-in-a-generation opportunity for investment. I know uh, Senator Mendez is bringing up an issue that's on everyone's minds right now, not just in Rhode Island, across the country with homelessness and you have a housing crisis right now this is an opportunity where you can invest some of those federal dollars to uh, put people uh, during these times of crisis uh, into long-term shelters hopefully long-term housing you know building some of these projects so that you have a roof over your head the ability to even shower if you invest these dollars wisely it can mean a lot to these individuals for not just today, but a long-term success in the future. How does affordable housing look, though? Because I've wondered, uh, Dave or Lou, mm -hmm. or maybe Alan, is it 
uh, the states buying things? Is it rental subsidy? Is it, I mean, everybody talks about these millions of dollars going in, but the nuts and bolts, how does that actually, how do you get from here to providing the housing? Well, the governor just uh, earmarked and provided $5 million in November for uh, more beds in the shelters. And according to the uh, Coalition on Homelessness, there were 268 people who were without beds that were homeless, and the money that he just gave gives them 275 beds. So, according to those numbers, a little bit of a dent, yeah, not dent, covered it, it all. It. Was, yeah. it took care of it. Now that's only shelter beds. We're not talking about homes, and that's a whole other thing when you're talking about creating uh, low rent sustainability. Yeah, right. I mean, so how do you get from here to there? Yeah. You know, Every city and town, as Alan knows well, and, and, and so does Lou because he's involved in municipal government from time to time, uh, they have a requirement to meet a 10% threshold on, on uh, affordable housing with, with new housing, and, et cetera. And two communities in the state maybe have reached it. Woonsocket has, I know, but everybody else, that's, that's oh, a goal, but it's, it's a dream for some, right? Yeah, and I don't think there's any penalty if you don't reach it, but I, but I know... I, I know that is now part of the calculus in each of the communities. Whether it's a strong enough calculus, I don't know. Uh, and each community may be a little bit different. Here's a concern that I have. There's often talk about uh, taking a lot of this money and giving it to pay off the Providence pension yeah. uh, issue. You can't do that. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, wow. it, first of all, it, it would be rewarding bad government going back 50 years. For I mean, sure. it, uh, it, you know, that, that is just awful to think that the rest of the state might end up sacrificing their own money for the, because Providence under CNC and, and other mayors as well were so totally irresponsible mm. because they knew when, when the payday was going to come in, they were going to be gone. In CNC's case, he's yeah. really gone. Yeah. So I, I have a real problem with using this money to, to pay off for the sins of past city councils and past mayors and town managers, because I don't think that's a, a good use of that money, because that's gone. It, let me alleviate your fears. It is a strict prohibition under the federal law that you cannot pay pensions for it. But so. Then why did they keep talking about it? Because there's a lot of misinformation about there. A lot of the individuals on the street, you know, don't have a true understanding of how you can utilize these dollars. There's only four pillars as to what you can really put these dollars to invest in. Do you have any graphics to show us? Yeah, come on, Alan. Uh, your game here. Come on. If you're willing to pay me, Lou, that's part of my practice. I can put a whole presentation for you on. But no, but most, in all seriousness, this is an opportunity. And you were talking about other federal dollars. Like right now, we're talking about the potential for infrastructure dollars coming mm -hmm. out. Well, I'm glad. If we can take a look at all the dollars we have at the federal level, the state level, and even at the local level, Put the dollars together, maximize those resources so that you can put it into whether it's to address affordable housing, whether it's to address some other uh, economic issue uh, in education or anywhere else. You can transform communities that's in our state. That's a beautiful dream, but this is the state of Rhode Island where we have 39 <laughs> cities and towns, and each one has their own police department, each one has their own school superintendent. Mm -hmm. No, they're not going to cooperate uh, for the common good. You know that, mm -hmm. but it is a nice thought. I thought if regionalization was going to come at any time, it was going to be back in 2008, 2009, right? I mean, Same the economies, me. and it was going to force, and we didn't even do it back then. That's the shame on the state of Rhode Island. I mean, you can take the state of Rhode Island 
and fit it into the city of Atlanta and lose the state of Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And yet they only have one police chief, one school superintendent. What we do here is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. It is. It's absolutely insane. All right. I've got a lot of national stuff to get to. And uh, let's do uh, outrageous and or kudos, and then we'll kind of let it breathe a little bit. Um, Alan, do you have an outrage or a kudos? Actually, too? I have a kudo. And we kind of talked a little bit about it. I want to give a kudo to uh, Governor Charlie Baker. You know, he could have easily won a third term. You know, the poll numbers justify that. He's one of these individuals that I admire because uh, he governed like I try to do, work together across the aisle, get things done for the common good of all the residents in Massachusetts. You really don't think of him as a Republican, do you? I mean, you do kind of, but he's, he's but not... He, He's a practical person that did what's right for the people of Massachusetts. You know, he governed the right way, worked across the aisle, and good for him because he wanted to take the time to finish strong, you know, uh, deal with the COVID crisis, but more importantly, spend more time with his family. Yeah, no offense to the Republicans anyway. <laughs> you, you was a Republican. <laughs> well, he had to, if you think about they, it. He's well, in, in a Democratic state. Yeah, exactly. You know? Dave, what do you have? And are there more graphics oh, coming? No, what no, do we no, got? No, yeah, no. I see him shuffling papers over there. I will spare you that. Do you have an outrage <laughs> or a kudo? I, I actually have a, a bit of an outrage. Uh, Chris Cuomo uh, has been dethroned for the time being at CNN. He is, uh, he is the most popular personality they have in their nighttime lineup. This was a very difficult decision for CNN. I actually fault, well, just a little background for those who don't know it. Uh, you know, his brother is, was in deep trouble, had to resign as governor of the state. And uh, Chris Cuomo uh, basically was suspended because he was uh, uh, being too much of an advisor for uh, his, his brother. And he was kind of doing a little bit of behind the scenes research to help his brother get out of this fix. Working so. the reporters. Yeah, yeah, and trying to find who was going to scoop uh, and lying the about it. They and, asked him, and he said, "I'm not doing yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, first of all, I, I can't understand why a guy like Chris Cuomo, who's a very smart guy, would get himself into this situation. I mean, it's no mystery. They know their brothers. They he's had them on the, on the show as a guest. So it's stupidity and insensitivity. He should have known. You know, he says, "Well, family first. You know what? I agree with that. Family first. What he should have done was. I'm going to take a leave of absence mm, yeah, for exactly. the next f five or six months. He could have gotten away with that mm. because he's so popular. You know, yeah. if somebody else did it, they might say, well, we're going to replace you. Yeah. He well, didn't, they need it. Yeah, they needed him. You know, they needed him. So uh, to me, it was a bad mistake on his part. And frankly, CNN should have been a little bit more investigative themselves on what, what this relationship was. It was so public, they should have asked more questions. It's, yeah. a, it's a blight on both of them. Yeah. Well, what do you have? My outrage uh, will deal with Mayor uh, Jorge Lorz's lab experiment. Uh, his guaranteed income program has uh, begun where 110 people out of 4,000 applicants, roll that number around, only 110 applicants out of 4,000 applicants are going to receive an extra $500 a month. Now, because of this increase in income, some of them are going to lose some benefits. Uh, so it's going to be maybe just a, like an evening out. But the point here is, is that all of this spending is being tracked by the University of Pennsylvania uh, government funding uh, income policies. They're going to be tracking how these people are spending these monies. Uh, this just looks like a lab experiment to me. I mean, one of the women who uh, is a mother of two, she's a single mom, says that she's going to use uh, this money in order to uh, get a down payment for a home. 
Well, you can't make more than $11,000 and get into this program. So you tell me how 11000 <laughs> plus 6000 for 17000 is going to help her put it down. It's fuzzy math, Luke. It's not only fuzzy math, though. It really does look like a lab experiment should, more than it does. But we should point out that this is being funded privately. No, no, but I just want to make clear, because you had said government money. I understand the concept, but they did raise the money, And but you're right. Is this sustainable for the long run? No. What, what is the aim? What's it going to be? Like I said, it's an experiment only, and I just think it sets people up for failure in the future. All right. All. Uh, we could do another two hours on national. <laughs> we'll try to confine it to the last uh, five minutes. Uh, supply chain, inflation, the Biden administration is kind of under siege. Now Omicron comes in. So, look, it's easy to kind of hurl things. I wonder at this, look, we're a year out from next year's elections. Everybody kind of thinks it's going to go over. You may not be the right guy to ask this, but what does he do to right the ship? Can he, at this point, you chip away at it one at a time, or what do you do? I think what you have to do is uh, just figure out what the American public wants and needs. And that's the important thing, because we all know, most importantly, the elections in Virginia and New Jersey just uh, happened a few months ago show is that people vote with their pocketbook. And when you're seeing right now, you mentioned inflation, uh, cost of gas, you know, skyrocketing. And by the way, I loved and this should have been my outrage, but I uh, didn't go with it. The National um, Democratic uh, Congressional Committee put out a meme mm -hmm. about this, mm -hmm. you know, oh, thank you, Joe Biden, for our gas prices dropping a couple of cents in this two-week period. I'm <laughs> two, like, two cents. are you serious? Yeah, it's going up a buck and a half. That's a backdoor right. outrage, Alan. I like that. There you go. Um, but Dave, that's, that's yeah, the So, issue. Dave, what do, you, what do they do? Uh, I think a couple of things here. Uh, I happen to think Joe Biden uh, is giving it his best. Uh, it hasn't been very good sometimes at his best. But I think there may be some wiggle room coming up here because inflation is starting, uh, the uh, gas prices, for example, have started to come down. I think it's down $20 a barrel, which has a profound, it will have some profound influence on the cost of gasoline and other fuels uh, coming up in the next month or two. Now that could reverse. You know, this is all, you know, very, very quick uh, to change at times. Uh, I think Biden, frankly, I think he made a big, big mistake by not jumping into this backup with all these ships uh, off the coast of Long Beach and, and, and Los Angeles. I would have moved on that in a New Bad York office. minute. Yeah. You know what? Bad. I mean, well, and, and then Gina Raimondo tried to say as Commerce Secretary, well, you know, this is really a private sector issue. We, we the government really has nothing to do with this. Yeah, but. Tell that to by, the guy who can't get his AirPods, right? Well, exactly. You know, it all boils down to, you know, my mother had a, had a, a saying that education is what remains, and I would say marketing, pardon me, is what remains after the facts have been forgotten. Getting back to the pocketbook issues. People are, are they, they, may, they may care about abortion, they may, may not care about some other stuff, but they do care about what they're paying out every day. And that they're not, they're not saving the money that they used to. Well, you get the last minute. It may be a no-win proposition for President Biden, but whether you're Republican, Democratic, or Independent, we were all shamed by what happened in Afghanistan when we left. And we showed such weakness that now we're seeing China start flying more warships into, uh, into Taiwan. We're seeing 100,000 troop, Russian troops on the border of uh, Ukraine. Uh, we showed our weakness and they're all seizing upon it right now. I don't know what he can do, 
but I think we need to get our mojo back. And I think we need to respond to what he's... Do you think Afghanistan's going to be an issue a year from now? I, it must. Because, like I said, it wasn't whether you're left or right. There wasn't an American citizen who was proud of being an American who didn't feel shame and disgust at what happened. And that's just the reality. And, and I think just he has images. Yeah, the images. We were talking about mm. kids flying, falling yeah. off the plane. If he doesn't address our moral courage, mm. he's, he's going to lose quickly. All right, gentlemen. Uh, it's a quick 30 minutes. We appreciate it. Dave, thank you. And Alan and Lou, good to see you. Happy holidays. Safe travels for you, Mr. Lehman. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us. It's great to be back. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We're here as we head into the holidays, and uh, we, you never know what's going to happen, but we will be here to cover it. Come back here next week as a lively experiment continues. Have a great week. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen-White, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.